This is Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast, bringing you insights and views from across Asia's food value chain. Now for today's interview. Hello, everybody. I'm Duke Hip, host of Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast. Uh, this is a very special episode for us. This happens to be our very first episode. It's also uh, Earth Day, as you know, and we're fortunate to be joined by a, an agriculture industry leader in Asia. I'm speaking of Mr. Gustavo Padarosi Conero, Senior Vice President of Agricultural Solutions Asia Pacific at BASF, and also current president at CropLife Asia. Hi, Gustavo. Hi, Doug. Uh, happy Earth Day, and it's a pleasure to join <laughs> you in this first CLA podcast. Excellent. Thanks, Gustavo. We appreciate you doing this. Well, if it's okay, I think in the spirit of the five questions, we'll we'll jump right into the first question, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to get the big topic on the table, and that's sustainability. I mean, everybody is hype. I guess the, the awareness around what's uh, how your phone has grown. Are there sustainable practices that are being used to produce your food? So, I guess I would I would just uh, want to hear from you. Maybe what does sustainability mean to you? And um, and as far as Asian agriculture, why is it so important? Thanks, Duke. Uh, for me, one easy way to uh, explain sustainability, it's about saying it's, it's the right balance of economic, environmental, and social responsibility, and, and really the right balance among these three elements. And we say in agriculture for BSF, it's about finding the right balance for success, for farmers, for agriculture, and future generations. How do we do that? Ensuring that solutions for farmers uh, are available to produce affordable food, nutritious food, and also with the uh, tasty food, uh, safe and convenient for, for, for farmers, but at the same time protecting the natural resources. And looking specifically to Asia Pacific, here 60% of the global population uh, are based in Asia Pacific with 30%, only 30% of agricultural land. So it's an enormous challenge how to produce food for this uh, growing, uh, growing population. And the challenge is not only the quantity, but it's the quality. And it's not only about producing food for today, but it's also for tomorrow and this for the future generations. Consumers want to know if they are also consuming products sustainable in a, in a sustainable way and, and I think there is no more space uh, and, and consumers will demand that for, 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 for practices that are not concerned the environment or are, are exposing uh, farmers. So I, it's a huge pressure for the for the supply chain right And innovation will play a key role and a key role to produce more with less, and less uh, water, less lands, and, and all inputs that I need for, for farming. And innovations will contribute definitely to the implementation of UN Sustainable uh, Development Goals. Uh, so sorry if I give you a, a too wrong uh, answer, uh, Duke, but I think this is my, my summary of what is sustainability. No, no, I appreciate that. In fact, when you said, I'm thinking about the farmer, I'm thinking about in concert with this, you know, the, the, the topic of climate change and carbon emissions. We hear a lot about farmers, and what's happening on the farm as far as that aspect. Uh, and yeah. any thoughts you have uh, around that? This is certainly a topic that is gaining uh, a global importance uh, nowadays. And, and I believe personally, one day we go to supermarkets or whatever we buy, we will see what is the carbon footprint to what we are consuming that we are, we are leaving behind. So that's why 
many companies, and I'm very proud to work for BSF, we have committed to zero net carbon emissions by 2050. And uh, it's a huge challenge, but we are, this makes uh, our, our mission a, a very exciting one. And we are really, really looking forward to, to bring the innovations in terms of our production process that would allow us to become carbon neutral by 2050. Oh, that's a great answer. Thank you for that. And clearly you're very passionate about that. And um, one of the things you've mentioned kind of uh, is in my head, I'm thinking about farmers. You mentioned a lot there, the, the role of farmers. And that's where it really all begins. Um, and here in Asia, as you know, we have, uh, they have, we have the smallest size farms. We have the greatest number of smallholder farmers. I think something like 85% of the world's smallholders live and work right here in Asia. So within the context of what you just mentioned, thinking about that sustainability aspect, what can we do do better to make sure the farmers need have what they need to be successful and also continue to be good stewards of the land? Thanks for the question, Duke. And I, I indeed, I think uh, Asia is the, the place where most of the, the farmers are around the globe and they are very diverse and they have also very different needs. If, if I can think on elements uh, that are in common about smallholder farmer needs. I think one is access to information. Uh, it can be weather information, market information, market prices, also uh, information about uh, good agricultural practices, agronomic advices, product information, anything that can help farmers uh, to make better decisions. I think this is one thing in common uh, that I think um, uh, the industry should try to uh, our best to promote. The second thing is access to innovation. Uh, from new seeds to new crop protection or to digital farming, high-tech equipment, everything that can help a farmer to save resources or optimize production. And here CropLife Asia is, is, is working very hard to, to, to allow farmers across Asia to have access to, to innovation. And third, it's about increasing in smallholders' income, uh, access to financing, and also prosperity. It's very, it's essential that, uh, that, that farmers uh, get the, the, the right compensation to what they do. Otherwise, it's very difficult to speak about sustainability with a farmer that does not earn the minimum that they need for themselves and for their family. So to wrap up, Duke, we need to ensure that smallholder farmers are prepared for the challenges and benefiting for the needs that we, we all depend on them. That's why also we say farming is the biggest job on earth. Yeah? And farmers should not be restricted to access to information, innovation, and at the same time, they need to be profitable. Altogether, I think this would drive sustainable farming in, in Asia Pacific to smallholders. Okay, thanks for that. Well, we're moving right through these and uh, this is uh, going quite well. Um, my third question I have really is sort of a continuation of this of this discussion we're having around uh, the challenges that are, that we have facing we're facing here in Asia. Um, the UN is telling us that the things are not staying the same. They're growing. The world's population is growing here in Asia. Population is growing. We know by 2050, the population will be somewhere between nine and 10 billion people. Uh, at the same time, there are some specific challenges we're facing here in Asia with respect to um, to hunger, malnutrition. A lot of troubling trends. I think two thirds of the children uh, around the region uh, suffering the physical effects of um, malnutrition, particularly um, again within Asia, per a UN report that was published earlier this year. So again, a big challenge, big, uh, big, big, big job ahead. I guess my question to you is, how can we do a better job of producing more? You know, the need for more food, more safe, nutritious, and more affordable food to feed uh, this growing population. Yeah. Uh... 
Look, I, I think economic progress in Asia Pacific has brought some progress in combating uh, hunger and malnutrition in the recent years. However, the global pandemic situation has been a big setback to many uh, many parts of, of of our region. Many economies and people are really suffering from an economic uh, slowdown, mainly those that are depending on on tourism or, 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 or traveling that is restricted today. So global economic, political and trade volatility today is very high, and this is really not helpful for, for the topic that we, we care and we are speaking now. So we need to make sure that uh, people have access to enough uh, high quality, affordable and nutritious food. Uh, and this is a very complex issue. It involves collaboration among many sectors of the economy, uh, governments and, and industry uh, players. Yeah. We, we need to help farmers to grow more and better food more efficiently. And that's the mission, uh, Duke, that we uh, dream about and we are all working day and night uh, toward it. And, and let me reflect in one practical example. Yeah? Many fruits and vegetables uh, crops require a lot of inputs and efforts from farmers, uh, making them also in the end of the day more expensive. So anything we can do to make it easier for farmers to grow these crops uh, on uh, on a more resilient or on an easier way, it's going to help to address the question you 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 raise regarding uh, f- food prices. And fruits and vegetables are, are often uh, perishable, which means that without an efficient also distribution, a lot of food is wasted and, and doesn't make it to the end consumer. And this is another area that requests uh, require um, attention. So new technologies, being seeds, being crop protection or digital farming will also be a key, key drivers to drive uh, sustainable food production. And look, I, I think, I guess in the end, it always comes back to the topic of innovation, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, and we talked about the UN, right? These figures are coming from the UN. The, the challenges uh, are great, and they're really uh, helping in many ways as far as leading the discussion, and they'll be leading the discussion later this year with a, a platform they put together called the UN Food System Summit. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but Basically, this Food System Summit is taking a look at the, the seven, current 17 Sustainable Development Goals, these 17 uh, SDGs, and, and trying to determine what's the best way to identify new actions uh, to bring progress to all 17 of these. Again, through the prism of making sure we have a healthier, more sustainable, and equitable food system. In the wake of COVID-19, we really now know how fragile the food system is. I think it's been abundantly aware to all of us here in Asia and really around the world. So in that context, as far as the challenges within uh, the food systems and the fragility of food systems here in Asia, are there one or two must-haves that you would put on your list as far as uh, what we need to have as far as making food systems more resilient going forward? Yeah, no, um, it's a fact, Duke, that Asia today is not self-sufficient in terms of uh, food production. And much of our region relies on import from other parts of the, the world. And unfortunately, as we experience today, uh, the supply chains can be very, very vulnerable, being availability of, of, of transport or any other on a challenge uh, that we, we might face uh, uh, in terms of, of bringing that, uh, that food to, the, to the, the consumers here in Asia. So in addition to that, also we see a increasing volatility in terms of global trades, yeah? making countries to desire to also become more self-sufficient and not needing to rely on, on imports from other countries. So more attention needs to be paid in the importance of trade and supply chain, so disruptions uh, are minimized. 
it still remains the issue of weather resilience as well. Industry is always looking to solutions to make uh, crops uh, more resilient to weather changes, being heat, water, or any other aspect. So to wrap up, uh, countries and companies are looking for more resilient production and supply chain methods. Uh, and what are the alternatives and sources and transportation when things do not developing uh, as planned? This is the question that every country and every organization is thinking. Uh, also, how we can be less vulnerable to weather ch uh, changes. So I, I, I think these are points very important to our industry, and we are trying to we are trying to address. Okay, thank you. Well, we made it to the final question, uh, and I know we've talked a lot about. A lot of the, the challenges. We talked a great deal about many of the challenges, and there are so many. But I also don't want to walk away uh, focusing on just the negatives. The fact is, is that there are just as many opportunities in Asia, just as many um, uh, good things on the horizon. You see a lot of good developments and, and, and cause for optimism. So, uh, in that spirit, uh, we want to ask you maybe as a parting question to look into your crystal ball, think about the future. If you're looking forward uh, by 10 years, is there, is there a development that you think uh, this is going to happen or there's a very good chance this is going to happen as far as something that's really positive for the region? Yeah, no, unfortunately, look, I don't have a crystal ball here in my home to, to tell you how <laughs> 10 years will be. Uh, and I probably see what you see and everyone sees, right? I, I, what, what I see, a very growing uh, interest uh, uh, on topics like precision farming, use of drones, using of farmer sensors, the topic of urban farming as well, very uh, growing exponentially in, in, in Asia, use of blockchain to food traceability. So many things are, are happening today. Yeah? What, one big thing that is happening is definitely the, the development of alternative protein sources like cell culture meat or other, other possibilities. Asia seems to be catching up very quickly not only from the production perspective, but also consumption as well. Every, everywhere you go, at least from Singapore, you, you, you find those alternatives already. Yeah? So I think in 10 years, Asia will likely be a, a leading region in this area. But I, I think you would agree that technology today develops faster and faster. And, and, and very soon, and I always give this example, we will look for outside the windows of our offices and home, and we're going to see uh, cars uh, running the streets without a driver. So can you imagine what could happen also within agriculture? I think a, a revolution is happening today. So perhaps, look, not in 10 years, but maybe 20 years, we'll be talking about space farming. I don't know what you think, but this is also a possibility. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, things are happening fast. I don't think we ever really would have seen the, the progress we, we would have imagined, what we've seen just the last few years and what's happening. So. Gustavo, thank you. Thank you for your time today. You've made it. You're off of the five good questions hot seat. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Duke. Thank you also, CropLife Asia, for the opportunity for, for the discussion today. I'm very proud to have taken this role as, as, as president of CropLife Asia in this very important time for, for our region and for our industry. I think plant science has an important role to play in making food mm -hmm. supply chain more resilient and, and sustainable. And, and I also hope more of these discussions that can contribute uh, to work together with other food and uh, agriculture stakeholders across our region to meet these growing demands from societies happening. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much as well. And maybe if we come back in 20 years, we'll talk about the space farming. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Gustavo. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. 
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, and subscribe. We look forward to bringing you another five good questions interview. 